are learned, we are taught to not doubt, uh, because doubt is the opposite of faith, and it could destroy our faith. And so, um, people who have a strong faith are those who don't doubt at all. They have the answers for everything. Uh, they've studied it all. There's a certain certainty. And so, someone with a strong faith is is really certain, and they are sure about uh, what they believe. And we say, uh, "What is it that we? What, what what do you believe in?" You know, I believe. And God the Father and Almighty, the God, God Almighty, we go through the Apostles' Creed. And I believe in the Trinity, and I believe that Jesus died and He rose again. And these are all um, facts about who God is or about what He has done for us. And we've grown up, many of us. Um, you know, I'm kind of saying my own experience. Hopefully, you relate to it a little bit. Thinking that faith is um, faith is equal to correct thinking, and it's really important for us to have this the system or the set of, of beliefs. And we need to understand correctly. If we don't understand correctly, uh, we will fall away. And so uh, Sunday school and youth group and everything growing up in, in sermons was to get that content into your, our heads. Right? This is like getting that correct information, correct thinking. And so when we believe this way, and this is this is not a biblical faith, by the way, I'll get to that in a minute. But when we believe this, when we think this is what faith is about, then we're really afraid of doubts because then we'll lose our faith. And so it's kind of like a house of cards. And I, you know, build, I was going to try to, but I'm not going to try to build a house of cards. And so we have these, these beliefs and they're, they're related to each other. And if this one falls, then this falls down. And so I was even told not to read certain books growing up, or don't read, and even in Bible college, I said, don't read anything by that theologian. So I was like, okay, I, don't, I do not want, I'm not going to touch him, right? I, I learned well. Later, as I, as I grew I, in my faith, and I, I love reading, and I love studying, and I realized, oh, there's good things, you know, there as well. And you don't need to be afraid, because I'm looking for truth. And if you're looking for truth, you don't need to be afraid, because truth is Jesus, and, and Jesus is truth. But I was taught that, and so it just, if... We have courses, we have um, correct thinking is what equals good, strong faith. And the amount that your faith is secure is the amount your thinking is correct. One of the problems with this is, is that it's like a house of cards. And so as we learn more about maybe scientific discoveries or, or what some archaeologists have discovered, or we learn about history and we think, oh, okay, that's, uh, that's different. Or you might meet someone who's maybe more intelligent than you and you have conversations with them and then... And then the card it falls down and like, I lose my faith because it's all dependent on this like, system. And if you went to Bible college, I know some of you have gone for one year, some of you have done a full degree, uh, some of you just like to read books, like commentaries and stuff. There's this thing called systematic theology. And there's systematic the theological textbooks. And I love them. I refer to them all the time. There's a nice index in the back. If you want to learn about sin, just go to the index sin. Okay, that's going to be chapters 14 or 15. If you want to learn about the life of Jesus, well, then that is there. If you want to learn about end times, it's all in this, like, system. But God never gave us a system when he gave us his book, the Holy Scriptures. When he gave us the Bible, he gave us these stories. He gave us struggles that churches had and, and how these, these churches uh, addressed and dealt with these, these problems. But if you want to learn a system, then you're going to have to take a verse from Genesis and, and a little bit of Psalms and some from Paul and, and put it all together. And then now we have this system, but it makes me feel good. Because I get it, I understand it, and I can answer everyone's questions. And so courses um, are taught. We don't want our youth to, to, to fall away. So teach them what the correct thinking is. The problem with that is that isn't a biblical faith. 
when the Bible talks about faith, it talks about something different. I mean, correct thinking, correct, correct believing, if that's what belief is, it is easy to do. In fact, the Bible tells us even demons can do that in James chapter 2. He says, you believe, about, you believe that God is good? What did it say? Do you have it? You believe that God is good? No, we don't have that one? Okay, turn it off then. What does it say? James chapter 2, verse 19. It's probably in the notes, right? Someone read that for me. One God. Do you think demons are going to be saved? Do you think demons, if you have a picture of heaven, what's heaven look like? Are demons there? But they, they understand God. They know who Jesus is. They understand that he was victorious. Like they, they get it. Demons actually have correct thinking about who God is. That's why they're afraid of him and they don't like him. But that's not what saves them. Correct thinking doesn't save us. It's something more. There's something deeper. When the Bible talks about faith, the problem is the word faith and, and the word belief, they all have the same root, but it's, it's not just about correct thinking. It's more than that. And there's a problem. Not only is, is our faith very easily shattered when someone more intelligent that come, comes up with us or there's new scientific discovery, then our faith is just shattered because now I don't know what I think anymore. But it's not even biblical. You know, believe and you'll be saved. What does that mean? Does that mean believe all the correct thinking? Is that all it takes? And sometimes, maybe, I hope not, but we might have taught ourselves and taught others that, do you believe, you know, this? Jesus died, died and he, he rose again and the Trinity and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Then you're saved. That's not the biblical view of faith. The biblical view of faith is closer to our English word for trust. And so if you were to go through the Bible and every time you see believe or belief or, or faith and replace it with trust, you're closer to what God was really trying to get at. And trusting is so much harder, actually, than just believing. Because even demons can believe that. But do demons trust Jesus? I don't think so. And so when the Bible tells us to put our faith in God, I believe in Jesus, we're saying, put your trust in him. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he is good? Do you trust him for your daily, daily lives? How, how are you? So trust is really the biblical meaning of, it's closer to the biblical meaning of faith. And don't get me wrong, I love correct thinking. It's my love language. That's a love language, isn't it? Someone those, no? Well, it's mine. Okay, so there's six love languages now. Because I love to study. I love reading blogs of, of theologians, and, and I love looking at what the different Bible colleges have on their um, syllabus and what, what textbooks are being recommended. Sometimes I buy those textbooks and I, and I read them. I love searching, and I love learning new things, and I love comparing. Um, you know, there's this, this person who's getting all their ideas from the Bible, and there's this person who's getting all their ideas from the Bible, and what's the difference? And it's so exciting for me. And then I learn new things, and then I think, wow, God, you're so amazing. This is great, and it, it turns into like me worshiping him because I love correct thinking. And our faith is not empty. There is content to our faith. Jesus was a historical person, and there's a lot of proofs that we can uh, learn. I mean, we know that. Um, so the, the, the resurrection, the core of our faith is there's content to that. The people of God were not just this empty, you know, faith. They had history. They had experience. So there is content. Now, the very core of our belief system is, is Jesus. Right? I mean, that's, that's it. If we could sum everything up, 
What's the gospel in one word? It's Jesus. So there's a person, and we can study that historically. You can learn things. But just believing that he existed or even believing what he did or believing all the stuff we're supposed to believe isn't what saves us. It isn't what makes us a follower of Jesus Christ. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, and just teach them everything I taught you. It doesn't say that, does it? Teach them what I taught you. It says, teach them to obey everything I taught you. So there's, our faith is worked out. If we just think in our heads, yes, I have the correct thinking. This is great, and I'm going to study so I can defend it. I'm correct thinking. That is not the biblical message when it comes to faith. It's more like trust. And trusting is a lot more difficult, isn't it? So that's what I want to talk about today. Doubt, when young people or when, when people in my family or even adults, when they start doubting some things like scientific evidence shows this or, or archaeologic evidence shows this, and say, like, oh, who I'm going to doubt. What I, I think that's okay. That doesn't scare me nearly as much as when doubt is going to stop someone from trusting God and trusting Jesus. This is where we need to be afraid. Doubt isn't, doubt isn't all that bad. Doubt causes us to search. Doubt causes us to be humble and helps us to find the truth in our thinking. But if doubt takes someone away from God, if doubt is going to turn you away, then it can become very dangerous and people can easily lose their faith. So let's say, do you have a problem with, you don't have to put your hands up, but any of you have a problem with someone right now? You know? Oh, Yeah. We, we met eyes, you know, Krista and I. Were like, <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, we do. We do not have a problem as far as I know. You may have a problem with somebody, right? What's the best thing to do when you have an issue with someone? Talk to other people about it, right? Spread the word. Don't, you know, I just want to protect you, you know, from this person. Is that the best thing to do? Is it, you know, to give the silent treatment? You know, or just, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm just going to... Or, or you could, you know, snide remarks or like, stupid. Like, What's that? Nothing. I'd say anything. What's the best thing to do when you have a problem with someone? You talk to that person. Not internalize it. Wrong answer. <laughs> if we internalize our doubts about God, it can become dangerous. If you have a problem with God, if you have an issue with him, like, God, I don't think you're trustworthy. God, this, you're not just. This is not, this is not good. Go to him. Go to God. That, that's what we do with people. How much more are we should do with people? Right? Let's do that with God. So doubt isn't, the problem with doubt isn't what it, what it does to us. It's what it keeps us from doing. And I have a couple examples for you. Open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Maybe you're in a place right now where it's very difficult for you to trust God. And maybe you think it feels like the world is falling apart and maybe you've lost your job and you don't know why. Maybe there are, I mean, just, you could be in a situation like, God, I've prayed about these things. It's not because I'm selfish and you're not coming through. Are you having a very difficult time trusting God in, in, with something? Well, you're in good company. And you have a favorite book in the Bible. If you don't know it or not, it's Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, let's start there.
I love that stuff like this is in the scripture. And you'll see in a minute why it might be a little bit surprising. So there's 12 chapters. We're not going to read through them all. But if you ever felt that life is just like a joke and one cruel joke after another, what is God doing and God's to blame? I know I felt that way. Maybe you felt that way. I don't feel that way right now, but there might be another time coming that I will. So this is good for you. If you're not in that place right now, you might be someday. And if you are in this place, it's good for you as well. Look what he says in verses 13, 14, chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 15. So um, Ecclesiastes is, is a guy, or we don't know. We don't know if it's male or female, but um, the word is koheleth, with like a Q and then an O, whatever. Um, often it's translated as teacher, or like preacher, or some guy, some dude with wisdom. So at the beginning, um, chapter 1, it just... Uh, You'll see there's like a narrator, and uh, this is just a quick introduction here. It says, the words of the teacher, see, so that's Koheleth, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, and it starts quotes from chapter 1, verse 2, goes all the way through to the end, and the narrator comes back again with some important words. So, let's look at verses 13, 14, 15. This is what the teacher says. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. Who, what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. Next verse. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, chasing after the wind. Verse 15. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. Everything's, this is the message. Life is meaningless. And you can't straighten things out. And look, this is like tough. If, verses, you, if you have your Bibles over, you can kind of scan through verses 5 to 10, and it compares our lives to like the sun. You know, the sun rises and it goes down, and it rises, you know, something goes it's over and over. It's just monotonous. Like that's, that's what God has set for human beings. And it's just meaningless. It's this awful, you know, existence, and you can't change anything. And just like, blah. This is God's word. It's in the scripture. I love that it's in the scripture. Look at verse 11. He says this. His problem is, basically, well, everyone's just going to die anyways. Well, that's true. He says, verse 11, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. You know, how disheartening right, is that? You don't want to read from these verses at a funeral service. No one's going to remember you. I mean, it's truth. After a little while, right, do you, I don't remember my great-great-grandfather. I don't even know his name. Right? But I do remember my grandparents. But eventually, future generations, people aren't going to, you know, what's the point? Everyone just dies. But you might think, well, that's okay because, you know, we die and we have faith. And, and so we're going to go to heaven and everything's going to be great then. So it's okay. I mean, I understand where he's coming from. But look at verse, let's jump ahead to chapter 3, uh, verse 19. Because uh, the teacher, this wise teacher doesn't think that way. He says, surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate of them both. One dies, so does the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything's meaningless. He says, look at verse 20. Next verse. All go to the same place. All come from dust. And to dust all return. Next, last verse here for now. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. Very encouraging, isn't it? Aren't you glad that you came here this morning? This is the message of Ecclesiastes. It's like meaningless. It's like, you know, just die, and then it's all over, and God has done this to us, and it's just, 
Don't you feel that way sometimes? What is the point of all this? And then we come to the end. I mean, we're not going to keep going. It's just all disheartening. That's, that's what, over and over again. So let's speed up, if you're okay with that. Jump to chapter 12. I mean, it's kind of more the same. And then you come to the end. And he finishes what he's saying. Verse 8, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And so now he's done speaking. And then the narrator comes back in. And look what the narrator says in verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, what? But he also imparted knowledge to the people. What? He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. He's praising, the narrator is praising this, you know, Kohalath, this teacher. Verse 10, the teacher searched to find just the right words and, and what he wrote was upright and true. It says, the words of the wise are like goads. You know, they probably, they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. You know, they're good for you. They prod you and you know, move you forward, I guess, or something. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. Are you recording my sermon? Verse 12, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. And then verse 13, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. See what the narrator said? He didn't berate this teacher for saying stupid things. Oh, how stupid, you know, that you doubt God. And he didn't say that. Actually, he said, this is, this is good, and this is wise, and it was appropriate for this writer of Ecclesiastes to write these things. But in the end, he says, and then, yes, maybe it feels meaningless, but fear God. You know, worship him. Revere God. Respect him. And obey um, his commandments. Like I just said, face God. Like, take your troubles to him. Don't be like gossiping about God to other people. If you have an issue with him, take it to him. Because the biblical writers are, they've done these things already. They've been very open, very honest. And if, if, um, if I could, I would have small groups that are being studied, Psalm 73 and Psalm 88 and Psalm 89, places where uh, these men of faith Accuse God of lying, and it's in our scripture, and it's kept for generations. Like they thought this was important enough to keep, but they're they're talking to God, they're taking it to Him. God can handle it. And so there's a story that one other preacher used, and it was in his book. So I want to borrow it and use it today because it brings up this point. Do we use the word beautician? I mean, I. You know what I mean, right? A beautician. That's what this guy used. So I used his word. He says he knew of someone who went to a beautician. I don't know. Do they do more than hair? Uh, anyways, uh, they were talking, and the topic of God came up. And the beautician said, you know, I don't believe in God. Because if God existed, there wouldn't be all these nasty things happening and all these senseless murders and, and the greed. And so because of all that, God doesn't exist. I don't believe in God. And the lady in her chair was, didn't want to get into an argument. Right? 
especially if she's cutting your hair, you know, and get her mad. So, she, and she didn't really know what to say. So she just left it. And then she went outside of the shop and she saw um, a lady there who was, you know, her hair was like crazy and really unkempt and dirty. I don't know, maybe she was just having a down day or maybe she had no home. And she said, and then she turned back and went back into the beautician shop and said to the lady, you know what, I don't believe in beauticians. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm a beautician, you just came to me. I'm a beautician. Of course you believe in beauticians. She said, no, I don't. Because if beauticians existed, there wouldn't be someone like that lady out there whose hair is all screwed all over the place and dirty and everything. And the beautician said, well, that's only because she doesn't come to me. And that's the point. Doubt can be dangerous if it keeps us from going to God. And that's part of the problem with doubt. It's not necessarily having correct thinking. We have a statement of faith, and it's important to us. These are the things that, that we believe. But guess what? Our statement of faith has changed, even in my short lifetime. And it may change again. This is not scripture. It is not God's word. It, it might change. We used to have premillennialism in our statement of faith. And if you don't know what that means, it's totally fine. But some people are post-millennials and amillennials or whatever. But our denomination used to think this was important. And you can't be a member in our church unless you agree with premillennialism, not postmillennialism. But after a while, we realized, no, that's not important. That's not a core belief. Like, it's okay. And we changed our mind about that. You see, some of the, the ways we're fighting about our correct thinking, these are peripheral issues. And if you can look at it kind of as a target, and right in the center is the person. Because belief in the Bible, it's not, a, it's not what. What do you believe? What do you think about God? Belief in the Bible, it's a who word. So it's not what do you think, it's who do you trust? And so right at the core is Jesus. And you can research him, and you can find historical evidence, and there's, there's content that will satisfy our intellectual minds about Jesus. But it can't end there. And so starting with Jesus, and then we can move on, and, and you'll realize that some of these issues that we fight for are, are, are peripheral. And so I love, like I said, I love studying, and I love learning about these things and comparing, and it just gets me excited and gets me worshiping God even more. But some of you aren't like that. Some of you are, and, and that's okay. Some of you like walking in the woods or something, and that makes you close to God, which you know, I don't get. But we're different. We have different love languages. So I'm saying... I'm not saying studying is not good. I love that. I love doing that. But at the core is Jesus. It's about the person. And, and do you trust him? Not like what you think about him, because demons think really correctly about Jesus. And I hope you think correctly about him too. But more importantly, do you trust him? And it might be very difficult for us to trust, because we've trusted and we felt let down. God didn't come through when we wanted him to. And it's not working. This isn't the life that I wanted. Follow the examples of the biblical writers. They were really angry sometimes. Use, use, you know, they used some pretty colorful language, and, and I'll give you permission to use language that you to speak to God, not to others. You know what does SpongeBob call them? Something, colorful sentences or something? SpongeBob, come on, help me, Lucas. There's one episode where SpongeBob saw a bad word, and someone said, oh, that's um, enhanced sentences. 
That's what it is, right? Not to other people. Be straight. Talk straight to God. If you have an issue, if you're having, I encourage you to go to God just like the biblical writers have done in the past. Doubt can be dangerous. It can destroy our faith if it causes us to turn away, and many people have. But things about the correct thinking and um, how we interpret certain things, that's important to an extent, but some of those things are peripheral issues, and so it's a who word, and I encourage you to trust in God. It's a choice. So there's one more verse I want to leave you with, but before we go there, some of you, you know, you became a follower of Jesus many years ago, and you entered into that relationship with him. But I want to ask, are you staying you know, faithful to that relationship? Do you still trust in all areas of your life? Maybe you could ask yourself that question. Someone else, others, maybe you, you're thinking, you know, I don't feel certain enough. You know, maybe 80%, but that's the, I want to be 100% certain before I dive in. You'll never get there. And that's not what we're looking for anyways. Faith. Do you trust, do you trust that God is good? I mean, he died for you. He loves you so much that he was tortured for your sins so you could be forgiven. I mean, what other, who, you know, who does that? Do you believe that God is good enough for you? Trust him. Don't wait for 100% certainty because that can be just an excuse that people are, you know, I re- I'm not so sure. You know, when we were in Japan, and Japan has very few Christians, very few churches, and I know we, we struggle with, you know, we want our, friend, our, our children and our, we want to have Christian friends, but in Japan, we won't. Like, the church will be like this size, like right here. And so you'll, if, if you're in a church, like you're the youth in the church. Like you're the youth group. And then you want to marry a Christian maybe, but like there aren't any. It's tough. Christians are, are very few and far between. And so if you feel called to go to Japan, go to Japan and preach the gospel. But that's not my point. There was a man there, his name was Mape. And he grew up uh, Buddhist and he was, you know, full-on Japanese. He became a believer of Jesus Christ and uh, he was very effective testimony, and people would come. Like, it, was un- it was rare that people become believers. Lots of his friends would become believers, and they'd get baptized, and they're serving in the church, and, and he became an interpreter. His English was so good, he was uh, interpreting for many missionaries, and, and uh, Rick Warren from Purpose Driven Life wanted him to start launch ministries in Japan. He was just a wonderful person and very solid uh, man of integrity. And then one day his church found out that he still believed in evolution, because of something, he mentioned about a tailbone. He said, you know, we have this, it's because of this reason, and, and they were freaking out. Uh-oh, we've got to change this. So everything was on pause for just a few days until they corrected his thinking. And then he said, oh, okay, creation, sure, six days, sure, that's fine. In the end, I don't think it really mattered. That part isn't core to the gospel, and so when we're bombarded with some of these things, our, our faith is not made up of this, what's that called, house of cards that is just so frail. It's deeper than that. It goes to trusting God. And so on some of these peripheral issues, we can think differently. It's okay. So don't wait for 100% certainty before you dive in. I'm going to pray that you will trust God, that you will trust Jesus with your life. Here's verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It doesn't say believe. It says trust. This is Hebrew now. We've gone to the Old Testament. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 100%. And lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we don't get it. I don't get it. So I'm not going to trust you until I understand. Yeah, who's who's the God in that situation? I I am. 
sometimes you're not going to understand everything, but that's what faith in Christianity is all about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And verse 6, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Are you trusting? In all your ways? Like everything. Okay, that's where you can be 100%. Trust in your marriage, at your work, with your children, with your parenting, in this church. Are you trusting? 100%. I know many of you made a commitment to do that at one point. So maybe you need to renew that. Kind of like renewing your marriage vows, right? Do you remember what your marriage, those of you who are married? And maybe are you still acting as if you're a faithful spouse? Trusting? That's the question. Trust the Lord. Uh, go back. Help me out here. Trust in the Lord, right? With all the heart. And lean not on your own understanding. This is biblical faith. And so I encourage you to trust. And it's way more difficult than having the correct thinking. Encourage people to go down these roads within in your, and, and jump in with your children and your friends who want to just, just learn all of these things, but come back to Jesus. So, do you see what I'm saying? It's not correct thinking. It's not about the what. It's about a who. And Jesus at the center, do you trust Jesus? So maybe you would just even like to make that decision today and just, I'm going to trust you know, I'm only 80%, 90%, you know, 70%. That's still pretty good. Guess what? A little bit later, you might become 50% or 40%, depending on your situation, right? But we choose to trust in him. So I'm just going to close with prayer and ask that God will give us this gift of trust, this gift of having a little bit of uncertainty, because it causes us to rely on him. And then the music team will come back up. God, thank you that you speak through all of us and you speak through me, even when I mess up. Thank you, Lord, for speaking. I pray that people here will be able to discern what is yours and what is not yours. And I'm sorry if I said things that weren't from you, but God, you are great and you are good. And I trust you 100%. Lord, will you help us to trust? Help us to be thankful for uncertainty because it gives us the opportunity to trust and strengthen our faith and Lord we we love to think correctly guide us into that kind of truth as well but give us grace help us to make mistakes help us to still consider others brothers and sisters even though they may think differently about some peripheral issues But Lord, I know there are some people here today that are struggling with trust. Will you give them a picture of you just standing there with your arms open, waiting? Your back is not turned. If ever you are not facing, it's because our backs have been turned. So give those people a picture of you just waiting with your open arms and give them that gift of trust to come in all in to trust because you are good and you're powerful and those are two great truths come and minister to each and every one of us today i pray in jesus name amen